John Dyson and Mike Whitney, who have just been inducted into the New South Wales Cricket Hall of Fame, have walked in. Mm. And I'm thinking of Mike Whitney drawing that test against New Zealand. I'm picturing John Dyson taking that catch at deep mid-wicket against the West Indies here about 40 years before, ago. Before you get into that, yeah. you must do something that's a little bit local, but they'll both understand it yeah. coming from me as president of the Eastern Suburbs Cricket Club because in the last two weeks, Eastern Suburbs played Randwick, right? Yes. And uh, they just happened to win all five grades. Don't, James. And the previous week, they played Sutherland and won all five grades. <laughs> now, this is a piece of history that has not occurred before you were born, boys. It's a long time ago. Anyway, enough of that. That's the local scene. You know all about that. Lovely to see in your blazers. Look at Very this. Very smart. You've got to get a photo and put that on the website. Yes, terrific. You've just had a great day inducted into the New South Wales Cricket Hall of Fame, Wit, and Jimmy's greeted you with that. <laughs> wow. Did you know about that, Wit? Uh, yes. You did? Yes, I did. Because oh, we had what... I when we made it up all, about someone. Well, when we went all five grades, we call that a greenwash. Yeah. And we had one earlier in the year, and then we had a whitewash, and then we had another one against you. So I've had a greenwash and two whitewashes in the first half of the season. Not good. The greenwash, good. The whitewash is no good, and the last one was against East. And even though we're in close proximity as Ramwick, Petersham, down at Kidja, we're enemies <laughs> on the field. They stole David Warner. <laughs> that, that's why when the bad light stopped and it was suggested that you pair might come up, and I'm like, how good, being inducted into the New South Wales Hall of Fame today. And Jimmy's like, look at that. We just knocked him over <laughs> in all grades. So, uh, John, great to see you here as well. But this is a place of so many special memories mm. for you, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, yeah. My f- favourite cricket ground in the world. You had a great opening combination here with Rick McCosker for many, many years, um, opening the batting with Kepler Vessels for Australia. You still you took that amazing catch. How many times do you reckon you've seen that catch? Oh, gosh. 40 million? <laughs> At least. Did you ever take one with that rivaled that? No, but I've always said in my first test at Old Trafford, mm. John took a catch down at third man, which was equal to that, and I think a little bit better, but there wasn't a lot of footage of it. It was off Alan Knott, the wicketkeeper, and he, he spurned one down, and Dyson took an amazing catch, equal to that, but that one was at the SCG, yep. in front of the home crowd. In front of the hill. In front of the hill. <laughs> better coverage. A better coverage, yeah. more cameras. Sylvester yeah. Clark, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Was yeah. Batsman, yeah. yeah. Broad Dyson Bowl Yardley, wasn't it? Certainly was. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I remember it. It's <laughs> just over there. Down there, yeah. Fantastic. Yep. What memories of this place, eh? You're the same, same wit. Your memories of oh. playing here for Australia. Um, well, more for New South Wales, I suppose. Or Jimmy, running, I started, running around next door doing a twoies ad. I started coming here or with two. my father <laughs> in the 60s to watch South play yes. in the rugby league because it was the game of the round. Yeah. And South and St George were probably the two leading. Yeah. That game was every, played every here. Every Saturday they used to play. So we sat just below here on the Paddington Hill. Yeah. And then I, looking out onto that ground as a kid, you think, oh, just to walk out on that ground, let alone play on the ground. And, and then to play for New South Wales and have this as your home ground for 14 seasons. And not only that, changing that dressing room which is the dressing room of the New South Wales cricket team. We own that dressing room. We lend that dressing room to everybody else to get changed in. Yeah. That's our dressing room. It's dedicated to the New South Wales cricket team. 
anybody who's played a high level of any sport at this ground has sat in that dressing room. Mm. It's insane to think that we had an opportunity to sit in there for nearly 15 years and that was our room for that, the, the custodians of that the, room. The insanity is, of course, this is the only test ground in Australia that still has the same dressing rooms Yeah. for Grace, for Trumper, for Bradman, for you. That's what I'm saying. No other ground has that. Yeah. You, Steve Waugh and I had some a dinner in there not that long ago and these were people that had played to have dinner in there and Steve and I took him into the inner sanctum and started talking about that like Don Bradman sat his backside down here somewhere Bill O'Reilly mm. Alan Davidson like Victor, any Trumper. Name, Victor Trumper the demon Spofforth mm. Dennis Lilly sat in that room and it's still the same room and that's our room for New South Wales did you both have your spot throughout your career or was yeah. That, yeah. yeah yeah that was it yeah much, much cherished spot. Yeah. You didn't let any other, anyone take that spot. And to the point now that people go, oh, John Dyson sat there and Steve Waugh sat there and when AB was playing and Captain Australia, he sat there. Yeah. It's, it's, that's unbelievable to think about that. But to play on this ground, mate, it was just, I think about it now and maybe the 30 years that I spent in media after the cricket, it's become a bit surreal to think, that all of that happened for New South Wales and, and the games I played for Australia. But on here, on this ground, in that dressing room, is just a humbling thought now. So to be here with John, who played in my first Shield game, my first mm. test match, we got life membership to Cricket New South Wales on the same day. To be here to get this honour with him, there's a lot of synergy in that and it's really, really special. Uh, what, what was your favourite memory playing test cricket here, John? Well, a favourite memory was in that game. It, it, the catch, of course, was... Uh, he got 100 in that game. Yeah. It was getting 100. Yeah. Yeah. Because the family the was... I guess a fair attack. Yeah. down there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, to score 100 on the home ground, a favourite ground, that was, uh, was really special for me. What about you, Whit? What was your best effort here? I never got to play a test here. I was 12th man for a couple of tests, which was really disappointing because this was a different wicket to everybody. Wicket, it was a turner. Mm. And Henry and I had learned to bowl on this wicket from being a New South Wales player. It's a different length. It was a different everything. So I didn't get to play. Um, but I do remember my first one-day game here for Australia because that first game that Kerry Packer had the lights up in the second season of World Series cricket, I sat down in front of the bob stand with my mum and my sister. And under the lights that night, Australia versus West Indies, mate, I was really impressed. I was playing second grade at Randwick then. And I remember going to my mum going, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. So, of course, the first one-day game I played here for Australia, my mum and my family were here, and she reminded me that I'd said that to her as a 17-year-old in front of the bob stand that night. And I remembered that, of course, and that was just such a big moment for me and my family. It was great. But winning a Shield, I played in a couple of Shield finals here and won the Shield here. For a New South Wales player, that's everything, bro. When you take that Shield back into our dressing room, in the member stand and the shields back where we say it belongs. So I was listening to you, Jim, and, and Stewie talking about pathways currently in Australian cricket and the importance of shield cricket doesn't seem anywhere near what it was when you guys played. And Mike, you always talked about the blue bag and the, that spirit of New South Wales cricket and you played in an era where test players were regularly playing shield cricket. Now we don't test see... Test players used to play great cricket. And I was just about to say cricket. that. Yeah. Test players and shield players went back and played great cricket. I remember some great sides I played against had one current test player, one ex-test player, and three current shield players in it. 
that's got to make me a better cricketer, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it must make me a better player. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it make you sad to see how it's gone? Because it's so much different to 30 years ago. It is, it is really different in that I came through a traditional pathway in that played uh, played cricket at home as a real youngster in the backyard, started with French cricket. From there went and played with the kids on the street, played at school, joined a local club. From the local club, ultimately got to play for Sutherland in grade cricket. And then from grade cricket, you go to New South Wales Colts, New South Wales second 11, and then on to New South Wales. So it was a, a real progression through the ranks that you, you were required to perform to get a promotion. And it seems these days that there is a lot of talent identification done very early, and there's some good things about that. There are some good things about it, but, um, yeah, it, it's just so different. I think, uh, I think players of our, our era find it hard to, uh, to understand. Just a little bit around David Warner. It's, it's his last test. You were a selector when he came through. The, the system, as it were, via the white ball and then the red ball, which surprised a, a lot of people. Just some reflections from both of you because wits involved down at the club that occasionally he plays for these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, just some reflections on his contribution, as it were. I mean, he's been a somewhat controversial, occasionally abrasive, belligerent character, but... His record's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It was obvious from the start that he was a fantastic player. Mm. Now, some people just wrote him off very early on as being a short-form specialist. But it was obvious he was more than that. Um, His batting was just... It's always been superb, particularly on decks that suit him. And his fielding, Mm. tremendous fieldsman. Still. Still. Oh, he's supremely fit at 37, great, great, great athleticism. Yeah, yes. great athlete. Yeah, Look, yeah. He's been at our club, I think, for probably nearly 10 years, something like that. Would it be that long, Jim, that he left East? You're going to suggest he's, he's never been, been happy? He, I can tell <laughs> He's been at Randwick Petersham ever since I would go president. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's when it happened. That's right. Yes. But he hasn't played a lot, of course, other than his... Um, uh, fallow year where he wasn't playing much. Yeah, I can just focus on that that one year where him and Steve, who Steve Smith played yes. for Sutherland, to watch him at training and to see so many of the young players go, wow, they train hard. I go, but that's the level at Test cricket and first class cricket. He's not going to train any less because he's playing first grade for Randwick Petersham. Mm. Mm. To hear him in the dressing room when our young first graders said like. I mean, you go back to England, how are you going to deal with broad bowling, that snaking delivery? And to watch him get a bat out at Coogee Oval in the dressing room and say, well, I'm thinking about this and my feet, blah, blah, blah. Then we had a one-day game down at Coogee. We played Sutherland. There was 5,000 people there over the day mm. because they had Shane Watson, Steve Smith. They had Austin Waugh, Stephen's young bloke. Benny Dwarshus may have played. We had Daniel Bell Drummond, the Sam's twins, Jason Sanger and David. Very good first-grade teams. Mm. 3,000 there all day, and then a crowd of probably 2,000 that came over the rest of the day. To watch a grade game? Mm. So I've kept saying, we need these guys back! Yes. I can't show any more conclusive evidence than that one-day game at Coogee, where we had thousands of people at Coogee to watch these guys play. But we don't see them, and it's a sad. We've got a New South Wales selector pouring over this conversation, Stuart Clark. 
And uh, he has been making the point that this pathway's, you know, just because you played under 19s, is that good enough for your development as playing first grade cricket? The answer is, is probably not. And yet, you know, some, yeah, maybe it's changing, but some young kids, particularly the bowlers, and you know about this, we're to put in a bit of cotton wool. Oh, they better not play on Saturday because they're playing New South Wales seconds on Tuesday or something like that. Is that right? No, not at my my assessment. I know the game's changed a lot. There's a lot more cricket around. I think sometimes when you identify a player at 15 or 16, he may be top of the pack then. Mm-hmm. But he gets caught up when the other kids get hungry. But if we have him in the pathway system for three or four years, it seems like we feel like we need to give him a game. Otherwise, our selection of him early doors makes me look like a fool. Well, it shouldn't be like that. They should be picked on merit. I come from an era where runs and wickets were the currency, Mm. not identification at 15 and then nurse some kid along and is he going to be good enough at 20 to play short cricket? I think you know when you meet young players, have they got that little... Passion. ...in that eye. That's right, and... We're talking with Mike Whitney and John Dyson because it's been raining, bad light, and there's nothing happening here. The covers are down, and uh, we're hopeful we'll get, on, we'll get on, but it's not looking good at the moment. So we'll keep chatting away. Jo- John, are you making a point? Well, I was just thinking as Whit was speaking that I think this pathway system grew out of the need to give younger players an opportunity. First-class cricket was starting... I suppose to be uh, a little clogged up as county cricket used to be in in uh, in England, where players in county cricket they used to say didn't have an interest in playing international cricket so much. They just played enough and did well enough to get a contract for the next season. Now here in Australia, there aren't that many first-class spots, and the professional system, as it was growing, tended to make those clots uh, those spots clog up. Mm. And I think there was a, a, a there was a, it was seen as a need to be able to give younger players an earlier opportunity, and, and I do see some merit in that. You you, know, you you see some young blokes, and you know of young blokes in cricket history that have come in at a young age and been superstar players. Uh, they're not all going to do that, and they're not all going to come through that system. There's got to be a balance there somewhere, and I'm not, not so sure whether the balance has always been right. See, I look at guys like Adam Semple yes. and Anthony Sams, Daniel Sams' older brother. They've scored seven or 8,000 first-grade runs at nearly 50. Sams, he's nearly taken 500 dismissals behind the sums. Adam Semple, I think 500 first-grade wickets, 8,000 runs. Couldn't get a game. Why not? I don't... Were they too old? What's old? Hmm. It's about... The currency runs in wickets, isn't it? Tell that to the selectors or Greg One Mayle, whoever, right I now. don't know. But, uh, yes. One sitting here right now listening. Stu <laughs> <laughs> will get his right of reply. There's a text message here from... <laughs> from After we leave, Stu, yeah. yeah. For David Wollongong, he says, John Dyson, my childhood hero. I was an opening bat and a goalkeeper. I've been told by those at Sutherland Soccer Club back in the day that he's a top-shelf goalkeeper and could have played at a high level overseas if given the opportunity. I'd love to hear more about that while he's there with you. That's from Dave in Wollongong. And I remember hearing that after that catch. The soccer goalkeeper uh, got a, a massive run in commentary about that catch. Tell us about your football days. Oh, Dave, look, thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I, my summer obsession from a very, very early age was cricket. My winter obsession 
was soccer. Yep. So, um, you know, I played soccer in the Sutherland Shire, eventually got through to play for Sutherland, and from there um, I became the reserve goalkeeper behind Jimmy Fraser at the, the great St George Budapest Club, and they were a fantastic team at the time. Uh, Jim Fraser was just an amazing goalkeeper. I got to see him at practice close range, and believe me, he was just superb. I was trying to balance two, two sports, um, and ultimately I unfortunately got a bad injury at soccer, uh, which put me out of, out of action in the soccer field for a number of months. And when I was fit enough to play sport again, strangely, cricket kicked in. And I got, I think, 100 for New South Wales Colts, another 170 for New South Wales second 11. And it just decision snowballed made. from there. Well, the decision made for me, I think, yeah. I, I want to ask you boys about the West Indies. We've only got a few minutes left before we're going to go to other programming until play resumes here at the SCG. Uh, because you both played against legendary West Indian teams. John, you've coached the West Indies. They're coming out here for the next test series. We haven't seen them here for forever after... Uh, in your boys' days, they were here seemingly every second year. Yeah. Uh, now we have them here two years in a row, so we'll be in Adelaide for that test in a, in a couple of weeks. The demise of what's happened, and they've had a couple of encouraging white ball results recently against England, but does it fill you with, with sadness, frustration? John, you've seen part of this firsthand. What's your reading about where the West Indies are at and if there is a way out? Well, that, that's, a, that's a very, very difficult question to be able to answer and get... Uh, you know, get a real solution for the problems they're facing at the moment. When you, you think about West Indies, you've got to think about not one nation. Yeah. There's yeah. a number of nations that are there playing cricket around the Caribbean. They're all very competitive with each other, and they all play under, under different conditions. Now, the local conditions at many of the, the islands, uh, Jim, how would you describe them? Basic. That's that's or, putting it nicely. Yeah, or, or, yeah, I mean, this is a third, mainly third world countries. Let's face it, economically they're struggling. So I just think, that whereas cricket was a way out for a long time, it's not anymore. There's football, there's America, there's Canada. There's yeah. so many choices yeah. for people. But the thing is, cricket's still happening. It just doesn't seem to have the leadership it needs, and that's why white ball cricket's going okay. But the red ball doesn't look good. Mm. Even the white ball, they hadn't made. Last couple of World well, Cups. Well, they beat England they? recently in yeah, the West yeah. Indies. Yeah. So Darren Sammy, I think, has been doing a very good job with that. But whether there's enough focus on the rest, and it means enough to the rest who are going off to uh, Saudi Arabia to play in a, a, a league of some sort. You can understand them. Yeah, yeah. You can understand them. I, I remember when I was there, it was, uh, it was a controversial decision needed to be made about whether or not Chris Gale and... Uh, Dwayne Bravo could go off and play in the IPL. Mm. Uh, Eng England had, uh, had, at the last minute, organised a replacement to a West Indies to come to England because Sri Lanka were going to send a, a lesser side for their main tour because the government in Sri Lanka had promised the players that they could go off and play in the IPL. Yes. England said, no, that's not on, and you can't blame them for saying that. Yep. But they, we'd just finished a series in the West Indies with England and they organised um, a, a very quick tour to take place. We were going to go to England and replace Sri Lanka. Gail Bravo and I think Chandapur may have been involved in the IPL that, that time and then there was, 
massive problems about they're saying, well, we're going to go off and play in, in the IPL. And for playing in the IPL in those days, they'd earn triple what they'd earn mm. in a full season with a full West Indies contract. We're going to have to wrap it yes. up, unfortunately, boys. But uh, thank you very much for coming up. How good to see. We haven't had time to talk about your shoes either, Mike, unfortunately. Hey, they're pretty cool, They are they? very cool. <laughs> I love them. Congratulations. It, it really hit me that I can't believe it's taken this long for you both to be in the New South Wales Cricket Hall of Fame. But for you to get there together with that synergy Where's the slogan is on awesome. We, we're taking photos. Well, social media. See those, those roses? They're for my mum. Are they? Yeah. Oh, good. My mum passed away a few years ago. Yeah. And she loved roses. I thought you might have been making a statement. No, you? no. Great to see you both. Good on you, Congratulations. Thanks. And, Jimmy, lovely to see you, Jim. All lovely to see you, boys. Terrific. I'll see you. Coogee.